This is Rob Temple for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. It's 2020, we're back, and I'm joined by unbeaten light heavyweight sensation Josh Boazzi. We're here in Croydon. Happy New Year, Josh. Happy New Year to you too, man. Um, it's good to be here to see the side of the year. Um, exciting things coming up, so let's all get ready. We'll talk about what's coming up soon, but let's go back a couple of weeks or a week or two. Uh, did a little bit of Instagram stalking. Um, You've been in Ghana. You went home over Christmas. I know that you, you like to get back to Ghana where you can. How was that and how was your Christmas back home? Yeah, it was amazing, man. Um, <laughs> I didn't even want to say too much, but it was amazing. It was good to see my family, um, to spend time with them. Um, also, Ghana had the thing called the Year of the Return. Um, it was 400 years since the first slave left Ghana. Um, so um, if I've got that wrong, people, make sure you correct me. But along those lines, so, um, you know, there was a lot of visas that were made available to the country and it was jam-packed. A lot of people that I didn't even see in London, Rob, I met in Ghana and I was like, we did not hear friends from America that I didn't see, I bumped into in Ghana. So um, it, was, it was a whole um, unification. Like, everyone was there, man, it was nice, it was nice. And um, I'm back now, so um, we're back to the, to the training and into the gym. Now, before we move on, let's, let's talk a little bit about Ghana. As I mentioned, obviously, I know you like to get back there. How is Christmas different in Ghana than what I would have gone through or what we're accustomed to over here? Most importantly, it was hot. Yeah, it was hot. But to be fair, this Christmas I was in bed. Um, I was ill for about two days, so three days, sorry. So on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and on Boxing Day. Um, but it was still hot, man. It was hot. Um, for me, it was just about being with my pet, with my mum and my sister, my close family around me. That's what I liked. So um, for me, that was like the primary thing. Um, then my mates came on like the 26th onwards, so that was good. But prior to that, I spent a lot of time with close people, um, people that I know, people that, you know, are helping me and people that I'm inspired by. So it was good to get out there, get all of the energy, um, to see things as well, to visit, to visit like the areas where boxing is kind of um, the number one sport. And then also to just go and visit the national team, the Black Bombers. It was good to see them as well. Um, but it was really, really inspirational, man. Good, good to see what people are working with. They've got nothing, but they're still working and there's still hope. So I definitely can't lose hope. Like, there's no chance. You mentioned kind of boxing being at the forefront of certainly the community that you went to in Accra. I know it's massive. Obviously, you go, go back years. You've got Azuma Nelson. You've got your cousin, yeah. uh, Isaac Dogbe, for people who are, who are not familiar. Um, how is boxing developing in Ghana? What's it like now compared to, I mean, obviously, you go home fairly regularly. Are you seeing a kind of a growth in it each time you go? Um, there's a growth, but it's not where I think it should be. Um, the talent and everything is there. Um, the equipment, questionable, and, and most importantly is the opportunity. Um, I feel, the opportunity, sorry. So I feel like the opportunities that I have, some of these guys wouldn't have, and that's what's sad about it. Um, some of them are probably even better than myself, I'll be honest. Like I saw some guys, I was thinking, wow, you're only 16, 15, and look what you're doing. I was thinking at that age, I wasn't doing anything near, near what he's doing. So um, it's just opportunities that they don't have and, and, and that's the really, really sad thing. Can it be changed? I don't know, but it's so sad, man, because the, there's, there's talent there, there's people that are, that are, that are precious, they're diamonds, they, they, they can do big things, but are they going to get the opportunities that they need um, to perform and to show them their skills and their talent? I'm not sure. What's it like for you going home? We've spoken in the past about you know, going there and going away from what you're kind of accustomed to here and as a boxer in general, you can kind of get, not bogged down, but very, very focused on what you're doing. If people are wondering what that flash is, um, 
It's not just because Josh Barazzi is a world famous talent, nah. and we've got the paparazzi here in Croydon. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> we've got a um, very talented Scott Rawson from Unknown Boxers here taking a few photos today. So if you don't know him and his brilliant work, give him a follow on Twitter. Scott, you should have said that was a tag. Now I do recognise you. It's because you just had Scott, and I was like, hmm, but now I have no, respect to you, man. Respect to you. Back to it. Um, what's it give you now? I mean, each time you go back to Ghana, I mean, you're, you're more and more, well, you're further and further along your professional career, you're further along your, your progression as a human, as a man. How is it different now than, than for example, when you, when you first went back or when you used to go back when you were younger? How do you feel different going back there and what does it give you? Um, so, do you know what I've noticed? This year was the first time that I went to Ghana that I thought I could see why loads of people are living there and, and moving there. Like, I was even saying to Dan Aziz on the phone about an hour ago, like, before when I used to go, it's in and out, I didn't do much, I'd probably just stay in one spot and that's me done and dusted. But this time, I went about, I was about, like, it was It was so nice to see the country developing, um, the different spots that they've got. Um, just the whole world seemed to have been in Ghana, I'm not going to lie, that's what it seemed like, and there's always different things to do, there's activities. And I got there and I thought, you know, I like travelling, I like going to other countries, where you you may spend to get an experience, but I thought actually you can come. I can I can go back home to Ghana, spend and get an experience just as good. So um, for me it was good, man. Usually when I used to go back back years ago when I was younger, I'm like okay cool, it's a break to see my family. Then I'm back here and I wouldn't really explore. But this time I felt like I explored a bit more, not too much, but a bit more. Um, but I explored enough. I saw enough to be inspired, to be motivated, to think, do you know what, this is a, a developing country, it's getting to where it needs to get to. Um, I'm blown away. Do you know what it is, Rob? I can't even say, the people that were there, they would know what I'm talking about. And if you're watching, you know, someone that went to Ghana in 2019, ask them, ask them about it. Even you, Rob, ask them about it. Maybe I'm probably not saying as much as I saw or I can't probably articulate it properly, but listen, it, it was amazing, man. What would it mean to you to one day bring, let's say, a world title fight? I know you're not one to get ahead of yourself, but in the future, what would it mean to you to be able to bring a fight or a high-profile fight back to Ghana? It'd be amazing because I know the people love boxing. They love boxing, man. Um, for some of them, it's the only way. It's the only way they know. Some of the places that I went to, boxing is everything. Everyone's a fighter there. Like Boxing is something that you do. It's a lifestyle. It's not, it's not an option. It's not this. Nah, that's all they do. So... I would know that, okay, I'm going to fight in front of fans and people that love boxing, that are absolutely, they're, they're like proper passionate about it and they're obsessed with the sport. So if I can do it one day, man, um, it's, it's part of my goal. So I'd love to do that. But you're back. You're back here in Croydon, getting yeah. ready for a 2020. I uh, had a little flick through your box record. Obviously, we were due to see you out against Blake Caparello. Unfortunately, yeah. you were ill. I believe this is now the most or the longest inactive period of your professional career. Obviously, you had the time out after the Olympics. Do you anticipate that? Does that change your training methods? Does that change your outlook on the new year? What's kind of the plan for you going forward? To make sure I get into the shape that I need to get to to win. Like, it's, I don't think much about it. I mean, things happen and it is what it is, but once I get in there, it's to win. So, um, yeah, man, it, everything's still the same, if I'm honest, Rob. I have been boxed for about, so I boxed end of August... September, October, November, December. So four months, um, five months now. So hopefully I'll be out around March. So you're right, it'll be a long time, but the goal and the aim remains the same. Get into the condition and the shape that I need to get into to box, to win. Um, so it is what it is. Does that give you kind of a little bit more time to 
I mean, you're always going to be learning in the gym regardless, but fine-tune things. I mean, I think last year you boxed three or four times. The year before you boxed five times in, in 2018. Now you've got a little bit more time out of the ring or you've had a little bit more time out of the ring. Does that afford you other opportunities with your training method? It does. Um, it gives me time to explore, to watch more styles and to add more into what I'm doing, um, to just learn about the sport itself and myself as a fighter as well um, and my style and my IQ, all of that, when, when, when I'm not fighting, these are the things that I'm doing. So um, it's good, man. It's giving me time to rest as well, to rest the body um, and to have a break from, you know, the everyday battering. So now I'm getting back into it. So um, when I'm out in March, it's, it's back to business. Now you actually watch a lot of fighters. Give us a little bit of an insight into the fighters that you've watched, that you try and take little bits from and the fighters that inspire you. Yeah, so I watch... Um, when I think about it, I noticed I watch a lot of the all-time heavyweights. So Ali, Larry Holmes, Joe Fraser, Ken Norton, George Foreman. Those are like the guys that I'll sit down and I'll be like, cool, this is 15 rounds. Let's go. Let's watch it. Let's see what they're doing. Um, and as always, I've always said, man, like I, I like Andre Wood a lot. Like I, I'll sit down and I'll, and I'll watch what he's doing. Um, but there's so much watching you can do. I think everyone's got their own style. And I add it to how my style is and then when I box that's how I execute it what little bits have you taken from those fighters I mean you've mentioned kind of heavyweights you've got Ken Norton Larry Holmes the one that sticks out about Larry Holmes is always the jab that people talk about you've got that cross guard that you like to use here and there um, which Ken Norton exactly what little bits and pieces do you take from each fighter and is there one person in particular that's, that's kind of stood out in your, in your experience um, I feel so for example Ali is um it's just confidence. Um, for example, you watch his fight with Joe Fraser, just pure confidence, knowing that he's going to win, doing the talking and ultimately he has to walk. Um, Joe Fraser is just the, the relentless pressure. Ken Norton, the cross guard. Um, Joe Fraser's got the cross guard as well. Um, Larry Holmes, the jab, um, just keeping it long, boxing at long range and, and being spiteful with that jab. Um, just different things from all these fighters. Um, George Foreman is just the ferociousness, listen, He's going to knock you out. There's going to be power coming your way. Get ready for it. So um, it's just different things, man. Um, but ultimately, Rob, it's always about the boxing, hitting and not get hit. Um, so that's what I'm always trying to do. Maybe I don't demonstrate it enough, but I always think, man, if, if I'm in there with you and I'm like, you shouldn't be in here and it's going to take two rounds, three rounds to do it, one round, I'll do it in that amount of time. There's no extra time. There's no overtime here. Had a little bit of time now since your last fight, as we mentioned earlier on in the interview against Ryan Ford. I'm sure you would have gone what, gone back and had a look at the fight. What did you make of your performance? Now you've got a little bit of time to to really assess it. Um, it was sorry. It was um, it was a good fight. I mean, he came and as I said before, he was he was tough. He had a good guard where he wasn't giving anything away. Complained about the low blood that I threw, but I I thought nah, you hit me a lot behind the head. It's a boxing match. You don't complain. Like, unless someone's repeatedly doing it, then cool. But he hit me behind the head a lot of times. Not once did I say to the... I, do you know what? In round three, I think, I said to the ref, he hit me behind the head. And referee said, you turn the run, but I said, cool, don't worry. Let's get on with it. Carried on with it. So it's boxing, man. You're in that ring. Do what you have to do to win. Um, was, it, was it an intentional low shot that I threw? It wasn't intentional. Um, was it even a low shot? Some people say it is. Some people say it isn't. But um, listen, I got the win and I move on from that.
You mentioned it earlier on. March is, is kind of your, your rumoured date. Um, is it going to be a Caparello-type opponent? Obviously, there's now the talk of the IBF title with Arta Baturbiev and Fenlong Meng. But is it that kind of level of opponent, the Caparello, that you're looking at in March? I'd think so, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to bring someone less of that for me to box. But um, again, that's for them to pick. Long as I've been given a date and I can work towards that date, whoever it is in front of me has to be dealt with. So... In terms of opponent-wise, I'm not too sure, but whoever is brought to the table then, and my trainer feels that's okay, then we handle it. When I've spoken to you in the past and we've spoken about world titles, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, you, you are very much, um, you know, I'll worry about the boxing. Playing sweet, Caroline. Don't join in on the chorus. <laughs> um, you are something, you do focus on yourself and you've got a great yeah. team around you, all at 258 Management. Shout out 258 Management. Um, but now... This is the first time we've really heard your name linked properly with a potential world title shot. I mean, the Baturbiev fenlon meng situation looks as though it may result in a, in a vacant IBF title. Does that give you any extra impetus? Is it very much the same for you? How does that feel? Because now it's, it's very realistic yeah. that you'll fight for a world title this year, which is not something that we've ever really concrete been able to talk mm -hmm. about in the past. Um, I feel, again, it's an opportunity that no one anticipated. Um, so I've been sent a message about it, an email, read it, um, but again, I think my trainer has to be like, well, see, okay, cool, this is a good move for you. Or actually, nah, I feel you need to learn a bit more before you take this fight. So I think most fighters, or for myself anyways, it's more like whoever's overseeing my training, if they're like, cool, you've learned what you need to learn or you haven't learned it, then that's kind of how I'll be like, okay, I'll go with it or I won't go with it. Um, boxing, I think we, we would all get in with anyone long as we feel actually we're being paid the right amount of money um, to take the fight and everything. So a few things we'd have to match up, but if it doesn't match up and my trainer's like, okay, you've got the ability, off you go, then, then I'll do it. Or if they're like, don't do it, then I'll, I'll consider it and we'll kind of reason and then we take it from there. Now, I haven't spoken to you since when we were in Saudi. Yeah. I was trying to catch up with you the next day after the, uh, the Joshua Ruiz fight. First of all, before we talk about the Joshua Ruiz fight, how was... How was Saudi, first of all? I know you, you were out there watching the fight. Um, did you enjoy your time in Saudi? No, it was good. I was there for less than 24 hours. Though. <laughs> let, me, let me put it out there. But um, the experience that I had of it was good. Um, my cousin lives there. Um, my first cousin actually lives there. So it was good to see him. Um, and the fight was amazing. I think what made my night for me was my outfit. Like, <laughs> like I was saying to my boy, like, we have to get this thing. Like, he was like, cool, let's get it. Went to the market, we got one. Um, and then I got... The locals to kind of put dress me up in it properly and I thought alright cool let's go so um, that was a good experience for me and my mate as well but um, the fight as well was good the, the whole night everything was amazing of course everyone wanted Josh to win but he had to walk the walk and do it and that's what he did so we congratulate him just talk, touch upon that really your fight night attire I know you're a very spiritual man um, you're in a very spiritual country the home of Mecca um, had various people who were, who were travelling with us who actually stayed on to go to Mecca yeah. afterwards what was it like for you to be in such a spiritual country like Saudi Arabia given your kind of your spiritual and your religious outlook like you kind of you could feel I just felt the respect from everyone like the yeah for me I felt the respect like there, there wasn't any there wasn't any disrespect. Like I felt like everyone was mad polite, um, and no one was kind of stepping out of line. Everyone was just moving in one accord, minding their business, doing what they have to do, and keeping it moving. Um, 
and yeah, so Mecca's in Saudi as well, but I didn't make it to Mecca, but um, I've got good Muslim friends, man, that they were like, Bertsy, make sure you go, and I'm like, bro, if I can go, I will go. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go, but um, so, like you said, some people carried on the journey from Saudi um, and they made it to Mecca, so um, I felt respected in the country, Rob. There's nothing that flagged up that I was like, oh, I wouldn't go there again. It was, it was all right. Yeah, just to echo that, really, I was there for, I think I got there on the Monday or the Sunday. It was a very long week. A long week out there. Yeah, so you, you, you can tell the people more what you think about it. But for me, less than 24 hours in that country, man, it was good. It was quick in and out. Well, I'm not sure how much I can tell people because most of the time I was either interviewing somebody or editing the video. So most of the time I was busy. Uh, let's talk about the fight. Um, lots of people going into that fight. Uh, were unsure, I think is probably a, a good way of putting it, a general way of putting it, about Anthony Joshua's chances against Ruiz in the rematch. Made quite easy work of it, it looked like, from the outside. How impressed were you in Joshua's performance? Very. I, I think, for me, it was just a total change of game plan. I think we all thought that Josh could only box in one way. So it's good to see him come out and to box totally different and to stick at it for 12 rounds. That's what I say to people, sticking at it for two, three, four rounds, cool, but for sticking at it for 12 rounds, having the discipline to do that is what I respect. So, well-executed game plan. No, and, and, I, and I think no one saw it come. Maybe those that are tightly, tightly within the team saw it, but if anyone's sitting outside and said, yeah, yeah, I knew he was going out boxing, it's like you're chatting rubbish. No one knew. So, um, respect to him, man. Were you surprised? Were you surprised with the discipline throughout? I mean, we've seen Anthony Joshua in his fights. Even when he has been disciplined, yeah, he's a finisher. He's a knockout artist. There is still that in him. Were you surprised that he was able to remain that discipline for 12 rounds? I mean, even the, even the final round where he's just beckoning him in, did that surprise you? I could say it did, but when there's all those belts at stake and you, and you know this is the way to win it, you're going to do your best to stick at it. So, um, again, but like you're saying, it's, it's hard to stick at that for 12 rounds. So, that's why I say we have to rate him, man. He showed a different side of his game and it worked and he captured all the belts back. So, now he's back on top. How much credit? Somebody you know very well, Rob McCracken, also came under a lot of criticism going into that fight, certainly after the first fight. How much credit do you feel he deserves and how inspirational is it for you to see somebody like Rob and obviously Anthony Joshua really emerge from, from what must have been a, a difficult year with, with all of the credit and a resounding win under that belt? Big credit to Rob as well. Um, you have to kind of work with a fighter after defeat and a defeat you didn't expect and kind of start, not start over again, but, you know, um, kind of take a step back and resume with what you're doing um, and to rebuild a bit. So um, big credit to him. Um, it must have been a long camp and all the noise that people were saying, the, the critics and everything. So um, he had to keep his head together to make sure that it doesn't affect um, the whole camp, the whole team and everything. So big, big credit to him, man. Um, and it's, it's at the highest level and he still kept his composure and everything. And um, I, I have, I have my, my thoughts about him and what I think about him and I've said that to him. So respect to him. Big, big respect to him, man. What would you like to see next? We're, we're going to be soon, Mr. Gillespie. I'm sorry, I'm, going to, I'm getting told off here because we're keeping Josh for too long. Uh, wouldn't have been if Josh would have turned up on time. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, I was saying that on camera. I was on time, Rob. No, no, we're, only, we're only joking, Will. No, you said six. I got here at 5.58. Said, nah. We said 5.30. You said half five. Will didn't say that to me. I promise you, you didn't say that. We'll take away all of that nice wow. stuff we were talking about, 2.5.8 management. Wow. Anyway... 
What would you like to see next for, for AJ? Obviously, he's got the two mandatories looming and Alexander Usyk, somebody I know that you would have known from the amateurs, um, Kubrat Pulev, of course, also for the IBF. Which one of those two would you like to see him in with next? Rob, if I'm honest, man, we have to ask Josh. Let's get Josh in the seat and ask him. I've been trying. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one, but we've got to get him in here and ask him. Um, I have no opinions about anyone else's moves and what they do. Um, I think in a sport like this, you have to concentrate on what you're doing and what you and your team feels is right. Um, and it's quite hard because I don't follow careers that closely to be like, okay, this guy should fight that guy. I'll tell you who I do follow there, Uncle T. I'm sure he's a good friend of yours. He, he's got, he puts the puzzles together and his observations, I respect that. So um, that's kind of where I get my ideas from, okay, this guy should fight that guy or this is a potential fight, X, Y, and Z. Um, and of course, Boxing Social to get deeper content in what you want. And IFL and all the other lot, and even all the small ones as well, that are putting things out there. Um, so I kind of browse around everything to get a quick idea, but I only deep what I'm doing and what my next move should be. So it's quite hard to talk about to talk about other fighters. I expected that anyway, but I thought I'd ask you nonetheless. Um, Uncle T Tunji Agunya, very good friend of Boxing Social. If you're watching, do follow Uncle T Boxing. Just before we let you go and train, because we've, we've wasted enough of your time. Nah, it's not it's just my trainers getting on to me, but it's not a time waste. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, what's 2020 got in store for Josh Boatsy? Um, it's hard to say, man, but it's just to keep winning, to um, go to a new level in the opponents that I'm fighting, but to make sure I win, man. That's, when it's all said and done wrong, that's all that matters, just keep winning. Um, all the other things that come with it, cool, but just keep winning. Um, to make sure that I'm learning as much as I can and to execute it when I'm in the ring. So that's all I'm that's all my concerns to get in the shape, to fight and to win. So um that's all that matters, man. Keeping the beard till March? Yeah, I might get a little shape up here <laughs> and there. And also it may be kept during the fight, I'm not sure, but we we'll see how it goes. That's that's a new one, you feel me? So um you've got to wait and see, man. Okay, well, Josh Bowatsi, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social, as always. Real pleasure to catch up with you. Very glad that you're my first interview of 2020. Ah, All downhill yeah. from here. Yeah. Um, Josh Bowatsi, thanks very much for speaking to Boxing Social. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. That was great. Thank you.